of visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupon. Be blessed as you listen. Sunday like this. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And once again, how many of you are excited to be in church today? Hallelujah. We thank God for Sunday mornings. Amen. Amen. And how many of you are ready for the word? How many of you are ready for the word? All right. Great. So today I'm continuing on the series on the church. And um, I took a break, a little break for Easter. So we are continuing from where we left off before Easter. I had to break to give you some Easter messages. Amen. The blood. The blood. The blood. The blood. <laughs> but today I'm resuming on. I think the series on the church, this should be part what? 11? This is part 11. Yes. But I should turn this into a book. Uh, all my series I've done since the church started, they can easily be books. Yeah. You know. I'm actually planning to turn the one I did on the the um, you know the, the Christian in the contemporary world. Yes, I'm I'm planning to turn it into a book. So the Christian and fashion, the Christian and music, the Christian and alcohol, the Christian and money. Uh, are things like the Christian and politics and all of those things. Alright. It is good for Christians to do politics. Amen. Amen. It's a very powerful thing. We, I think we can't allow the unbelievers to be the ones determining the laws of the country for us. It's not a good thing. Amen. Yeah. So Christians must be encouraged to go into politics, to stand for elections. We say our political system has been corrupted. But we need Christians like you and I to go in and sanitize the place. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So it's a good thing for Christians to be in politics. So today, we are continuing with the series on the church. So as I said, this is part 11. We've, we've looked at so many things under the church. I was going to preach something else, but the Spirit of God led me in this direction. Hallelujah. Amen. As I said, with this series... We are establishing policies. Hallelujah. Amen. Policies based on scripture. And it's good that our messages are on the podcast. They are, they, are, they are saved on the internet forever. So when we start deviating from those things, we can always go back and check. Say, hey, this is what we said based on scripture. But now we are doing something else. Hallelujah. And it's important as a young church, settle these things once and for all. So that we know what our stand is as far as certain things are concerned. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hey, why is the amen going on? I said hallelujah. Amen. Very good. I want to feel like I'm preaching to a live church. And a youthful one as such. Amen. amen. Alright. So, today part 11 of the series on the church. And I'm going to speak on the subject the church and morality. Wow. Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody say the church, the church. and morality. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. How many of you believe it's a powerful topic? It's a good message. It's a very, very, very good message. 
and I expect a lot of amens. If you are too silent, it means the thing is sticking you. It's scratching certain parts of your body. Hallelujah. Yeah, the church and morality. You see, and maybe let's get a, a Google definition. So, Pastor Della, you are a Google consultant. So <laughs> give us a Google definition of morality. Morality. Said now. Principles concerning the distinction between right and wrong or good and bad behavior. A particular system of values and principles of conduct. The extent to which an action is right or wrong. Hallelujah. Alright. So morality has all got to do with right or wrong. Alright. So the fact that when you kill somebody, it's considered wrong, it's an issue of morality. Okay? When we talk about morality, anything that is right or wrong falls within the whole context of morality. Hallelujah. Yes. But my focus is going to be more on sexual morality. Hallelujah. I can bring in things like murder, I can bring in things like corruption. It's all morality. But I want to talk about sexual morality. Hallelujah. Is it a good topic to talk about in church? Nowadays, you hardly get such messages in church. It's all about powerful things. But this one is very powerful. Hallelujah. The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. You see, when I preach and the thing even keeps you, say amen. Hallelujah. Uh, I told you the power of saying amen to words that are declared <laughs> from the from the pulpit. Yeah, say amen because as you are saying the amen, God will be helping you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So don't be silent and look at me like that. So if you do, you will look at me and say, hey, tell them. Speak to them. Yes. Preach to them. Meanwhile, it's you I'm preaching to. I am dialing your number. Hallelujah. You see, there's a way of preaching hard messages. It's hard, but you see, it's like the way we sweeten medicine. Children's medicine, you sweeten, give it some nice banana flavor, strawberry flavor, and so that it's palatable. So I'll try to make it palatable for you, but you still swallow it. Hallelujah. And it will still do the work it's supposed to do. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So the church and morality and I want us to look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Galatians 5, 19. Give me NLT for that one. Galatians chapter 5, and the verse number 19. It said, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And when you see a colon or a semicolon, it means you are going to explain further. Sexual immorality, impurity, lastful pleasures, you can stop there. Don't, don't go to the next one. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, and lustful pleasures. Let's all read it together. Go. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Hallelujah. So somebody asked, what is sexual immorality? What is sexual immorality? 
I have my own definition of sexual immorality. Maybe you can modify it and have your own definition. But for me, anything you do to satisfy your sexual edges outside sexual relations between a married man and his wife is sexual immorality. Hallelujah. I'll take it again. Anything you do to satisfy your sexual edges. Every human being has sexual edges. If you don't have it, you are not a human being. That there is something wrong with you. We need to deliver it. We need a cold barrel of oil to pour on you and cast out that demon. Hallelujah. Amen. So the edges are there. From puberty and all those things, when the hormones start running through your body. All sorts of desires, all sorts of interesting things that are happening to you. Amen. So anything you will do to satisfy these edges, which is outside the confines of sexual relations between a married man and his wife, is sexual immorality. It's wrong. Hallelujah. So it starts even from the thoughts. Hallelujah. Some people think about certain things in order to satisfy their sexual edges. It's like when you are at that point where the hormones are just running her task out in your body, you just start instead of focusing on Jesus Christ and His Word and thinking about things that are profitable. You start imagining all sorts of things which if we should turn into a movie. Will be a very big problem for us to work or even show in church. PG 24, eh? 24, then you don't need PG. PG means parental guidance. By 24, there's nothing like parental guidance. You're already qualified to be a parent. So it even starts from the thoughts, the things you think about. One of my favorite questions is if your thoughts for the last 24 hours were to be projected on this screen for all of us to watch unedited, will you be comfortable with what we are seeing? In fact, what rating are we going to give? <laughs> but you see, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So where God is concerned, it's not just about what you do, but what you think about also matters. Jesus' definition of adultery is not when you go and lock yourself with a woman in a bedroom. He said, as soon as you look at a woman lustfully, and I believe the opposite also applies. If you look at a man lustfully, you have already committed adultery. It is already done. So I know some of you are thinking, okay, if I think about it and it's the same as doing then let me do. It is the voice of the devil speaking to you. Satan is ministering to you. Those of you thought that way, yeah. You know yourselves. <laughs> if I can think about it and it's wrong, and if I do, it is wrong, then let me do. One of my lectures in medical school said, if you are going to get HIV, 
Make sure you get it through a pleasurable route. Not needle stick injury, which is painful. Somebody who has left with 20 women and had fun and has the virus, and you use experience pain in order to have it, then it would have been better if you had also had fun. <laughs> but that is wrong thinking. Hallelujah. So it starts from the top. What do you think about when you are alone? What do you think about? When your hormones start misbehaving in your body, what do you think about? Sometimes you are walking with somebody around. The thoughts the person has for you, eh? If God should reveal to you, when you see the person here, you will pass here. So the gentlemen, the way they can look at you is like they are looking at your soul. <laughs> Very piercing look. You know, I'm sure the ladies, you know this. When even you are you have turned your back, you are not even seeing the person. And the person is behind you and is looking at you in a certain way, you can feel it. True or false? You, you, you can feel that no, it's like something is piercing you from behind. Because it's an unholy look. Looking at you and measuring contours and gaps and all sorts of things and imagining all sorts of things. May the blood cleanse our minds of every immoral thought in the name of Jesus. Yeah, so, so, so that can come and make you feel like, oh, but you're, you're just thinking about it. You're just thinking about it. Thinking about it is the first step to doing. You will not do what you have not thought about unless you are a robot. Who is under control from somewhere? Everything you do, you first think about it. So the thinking is the first step. And you see, when it comes to last, eh, the thinking is the softening ground. That is what weakens you and causes you to do it eventually. Not all of the thoughts that come to your mind were generated by you yourself. Some of them, they are, they are things Satan throws into your mind. I've been too holy these days. And he just throws something into your mind. And it's up to you to decide what to do with that thought. Whether you are going to meditate upon it. And you see, when it comes to issues of lust, the more you meditate upon the thing, the weaker you become. The deeper you think about the thing, the weaker you become. So you continue thinking and thinking every second more that you think about the thing. You become more vulnerable to falling to that thing that you are thinking about. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you? How many of you can 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 attest to? Those of you who are down, don't worry. You are angels. Your wings will grow very soon. <laughs> the deeper you think about the thing, the nearer you are. So there are certain battles. The way you win them is by deciding that I won't even think about it at all. It's not cowardice. Hallelujah. It's not cowardice. Decide that I won't think about it. Because every second more that you think about it, you are weaker and getting closer and closer and closer to the day and the time that you are going to act out. The thing you are thinking about. So when I talk about immorality, it starts from the mind. Your dressing can be immoral. When you're not slept with anybody, 
Because you are dressing, you see, some people have this mentality that it is my body. I can decide to wear what I want to wear. It shouldn't be anybody's problem which part of my body I expose. But that is wrong thinking. Hallelujah. Your exposing your body has turned you into a trap. You have become a tool in the hands of the enemy. Because if you come to judge and you have exposed certain sensitive parts of your body, there are two or three gentlemen who will not listen to the sermon well. Because when Pastor Gideon said, go around and welcome people and shake somebody and pack somebody, they came to hug you. And you have become the center of their life. Instead of Jesus being the center. As you said, you have now become the center of their thought. It's like everything is revolving around you for the rest of the service. And you can't hear anything. You, you have become a tool. You are like a pickaxe in the hands of the enemy. A pickaxe is used to dig trenches for people to fall inside. So you're dressing alone. You remember, yeah, God has blessed me with a nice figure. Why should I hide it? Who shall light a candle and put it under a bushel? Candle. The glory is upon me. Why? Should I put it under a bushel? It is the devil ministering to me. <laughs> if you got it, flaunt it. Satanic mentality. Demonic ideas. We break in the name of Jesus. <laughs> if you got it, flaunt it. But you are being a pickaxe in somebody's hands. If I know somebody, the devil's hands. To create trouble for somebody. For somebody's husband. Somebody's beloved. Who is being trying to walk straight in the path of the Lord. And you come and cross his path. And you derail the process of consecration and walking in morality. You are doing a lot for the devil, but you don't know. Hallelujah. Oh, why should I be so conservative? Nobody is saying wear sackcloth from head to toe and go to church. Nobody is saying that. That one too, we don't like. You're not one of those others who say, hey, don't put on makeup. Put on the makeup. It makes you. Everybody has enhanced their look one way. Everybody says, I'm coming just as I am. We the gentlemen, we will not cut our hair. We will shake just as we are. We are coming. If you cut your hair, it's a, it's a way of grooming. Hallelujah. So if you put a little makeup on, it's a little grooming. Yeah. Something small for the boys. <laughs> we won't tell you don't put on makeup. No, 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 no. We won't tell you don't put on makeup. But don't put it on and look like Jezebel. In your fingernails, it's like when you lift up your hands to worship <laughs> like cross. And your lipstick is like I said you, your house is where they manufacture all the lipstick in the world. Also, you are preaching good. Some people can put on the makeup and you can't even recognize them. 
can people look scary? And I don't see, I don't know whether their mirrors in their rooms are not working. The Bible says you are wonderful and fearfully made. That's not the type of fear you are talking about. That means you, you are making us afraid. You are so scary that even if a demon sees your face, the demon says, In the name of Jesus, the God of Jesus, demon is prepared to risk mentioning the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. He's not scared of you that the blood. It's a very, very serious thing. So, so nobody is saying don't dress well. But be modest in your dressing. Hallelujah. There are a lot of ways of looking good without being what's the word they even use right? when I remember I'll, I'll tell you that's the same way slaying everybody on Instagram and Facebook and everything so even that name that you are slaying so you are you are killer so, so, so the morality is not just what you do what you think about what you wear. What you wear. So Galatians 5.19, it said, it talked about immorality. And it talked about impurity. Say impurity. A lot of people ask, what is impurity? Impurity is anything that is not pure. It's as simple as that. Anything you can think about that the Bible hasn't mentioned that qualifies as not being pure, and you know that it's not pure, put it there. Hallelujah! Look, there's not like a gray area in the Bible, everything is clear, it is not pure. You say, Oh, where in the Bible did they mention pornography? Show me, impure is there. It's impurity. Can you actually stand somewhere and say pornography is pure? Then there's something seriously wrong with you. So even though the Bible doesn't mention it explicitly, it is impurity. Because it's not pure. Watching nakedness. And enjoying watching the nakedness. Watching people fornicating and committing adultery and having fun doing so, the Bible says, have nothing to do with the unfruitful works of darkness, don't have anything to do with it. And he goes on to say, But instead, expose them, and I'm exposing it through my preaching. Hallelujah. The moral standards must be clear. And in this church, I'm making it clear today what the standards are. We don't condone pornography. We don't condone it. It is not a good thing. It is not healthy. It's not good for you spiritually, physically, whatever. There is nothing good in it. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Impurity. At a point, I thought this issue of pornography was just a male problem. 
But through ministry, I've come to realize that it's not true. The females are also struggling. May God help both the males and the females. The females, they are also struggling. And sometimes, when a female falls into it, the, the, the trap is even stronger. That's what I've come to realize. It's, it's stronger than even the, the, the male one. One lady came to me. She said, Woman of God, I'm, I'm struggling. I said, What is it? She was like, And you see, a lot of people get into it out of curiosity. Oh, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard. Ah, you like, let me guess. You see, that's it. Hey, go, 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 go. And you can say, Go, go, go. You go and watch once. And you deceive yourself that, Ah, this nasty thing. Meanwhile, when you're there, it comes back to your mind. Hey, this nasty. This nasty thing, this nasty thing. The next time, let, let me go and see if it was really as nasty as I thought it was. I'm just checking. And you go back, go and spy again. The time you realize the demon has embraced you, come to me. And it can become so addictive. It's like a drug. It's like when you constantly feast your eyes on some of these things, eh? it's like the excitement it produces produces certain chemicals, feel-good chemicals in your body. When you continually expose yourself to these things, it's like your body becomes used to certain levels of these chemicals in your body. So when the level of the chemical goes down, it's like the drug addict or the alcoholic who doesn't have alcohol in the system, you start having withdrawal symptoms. So when you don't watch the pornography, it's like you are not happy. You are depressed. It's like the alcoholic who is having tremors because certain levels of the OH molecule are not in his blood. So when you continually expose yourself to these things, you are releasing the chemicals into your system. When the level goes down, you begin to feel agitated. Even if you are sitting in church, you are praying. Close early. Let's finish. Some of you that you complain time, time, time. All sorts of reasons. Hey, we have kept too long. This is it. And this is it. All sorts of things. When you run to your room, no laptop. Some of you don't even need a laptop. Your phone on the way. Satansatansatans.com. Oh, but may the Lord help His people. The Lord help His people. The Lord help His people. Being a Christian now is more difficult than it was some time back. Paul said there was no TV. If you really wanted to go and see a naked woman, you have to be brave enough to go and hide behind her window or something when she's changing. How many people can do that? Unless you learn the demon that has possessed you is very strong. But all you have to do is to pull out your phone. You see, that's why it's good not to know certain things. Not to even know the websites to go to. 
The Bible says, be excellent at what is good and be innocent of evil. So if you know too much, that's your problem. You know where to go and get what type of pornography when and how. That's your problem. You know too much. You know too much. If you have stayed innocent, you have reduced the battles you have to fight by like five. But you know too much. The internet is a double-edged sword. It's being used for good and being used for bad at the same time. But the truth is that this thing called pornography is a serious epidemic. But the power of God can break every addiction. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It starts with admitting that you can do it. That is the beginning. For most people who are bound in that place, Satan has subconsciously deceived them that as for this thing, there's no way you can stop it. But that is a, a lie from the pits of hell. Hallelujah. That is not what the Bible tells us. That's not what the Bible tells us. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, the temptations in your life are not different from what others experience. So don't think you are the only one facing the things you are, you are facing. It's not different from what others experience. And God is faithful. Somebody say, God is faithful. Say it loud. God is faithful. Say, my God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. That means there's a sieve. I don't know whether it's an angel that is responsible for that. Temptation coming, you notice that no. If I measure your spirituality, I measure your willpower, I measure everything, this one you cannot. You will stop it from even coming in the first place. So that means if he allows the temptation to come, it means he knows. And nobody knows you better than God. Hallelujah. That means he knows that this one, the ability to overcome it is there. That's why I said, you can do it. God only allowed it to come because he has scanned you and realized that the ability is there. Look deep inside you and find that ability and break that addiction. You can't. It's because of this scripture that I believe a believer can stay without sinning. This whole thing that the money will be out home, it's not true. Oh, once you are in the flesh, you always sin. There is a sin that will prevent that sin that you cannot overcome from coming to you. So if you make up your mind that I am going to overcome every sin or every temptation, you can because the ability is there. Is there? God allowed you to go and watch that first one because the ability to overcome it is there. If it wasn't, you wouldn't have allowed it to come. And let's see what he said. He said, when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Another version says, for every temptation, there is a door of escape. There is always a door. For some of you, the door is that when you go back, go and format your hard drive. Radically delete some things. Hallelujah. That's the way out. When you're in the room and the hormones are misbehaving, you are alone. And you know that is when you are alone that you feel like stretching up and taking your phone 
and www.satansatansatan.com comes in. The way out is that leave the room and go and be with people. There's a way. Out. There's always a way out. Go and be with people. But if you sit in there and you try to fight the devil in your mind, you will lose. Because the fight with the devil is the thinking that you are thinking. When you remember, oh, how, how nice it felt the last time I did it. When you start entering those realms, then you realize that falling, may Memories of the past pleasures. Most of the time, that is the last day. And you are gone. So when Satan brings the thoughts, you decide that, look, as for this fight, I win by deciding I'm not fighting with you. I am not playing in this realm with you. These mind games and these conversations, you are not my friend. I won't converse with you. Move and start doing something else and start thinking. Start blowing in tongues and edifying your spirit. Because the Bible says, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. This is a direct fight between your, 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 your born again spirit man and your flesh. When you are speaking in tongues and the Bible says you are edifying yourself, it's like you are strengthening and maturing yourself. So the flesh that wants to win, when you are speaking in tongues, your, your spiritual biceps begin to hypertrophy. Your pectoralis major becomes bigger. It's like you are becoming a, a, a macho man. So as the flesh is saying pornography, 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 your spirit man becomes stronger and says prayer, 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 fasting, 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 chai, 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 worship, 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 praise, praise, praise. And because it is a macho man speaking, that flesh must keep quiet and obey. Otherwise, wahala for it. Hallelujah. There is always a door of escape. Always. There is always. Most of the time we see the door and we decide that I know they see you. I cannot see. Hey, is, is, is this a door? Or is it a kitten? Or a window? The window is too small. I can't pass through. I can't pass through. Sometimes there's a window. You just need to squeeze through and run away. Sometimes the door of escape is just for you to exercise your stomach like the mastoid muscle. Pain your head. Simple. You know you have a weakness for certain kinds of women. And one comes to pass. Yesterday at the wedding, I was preaching and I told them that what you are now is a result of how you have reacted to the things life has thrown to you. Not the result of the things life has thrown to you. It's how you've reacted to them. So you know that the weakness for a certain kind of woman. One comes to pass. And you decide that today my stand will like the master it will be it will be straight. I will just pass by and give God to God. Thank you for a wonderful creation. And move on. Now that you see the person coming, because you want a good rare view after she has passed. When she's coming, you look uh, and then you intentionally turn like this and be looking in this direction so that people will not see that it was because of that one that you did. You just turn and be looking at so that when she comes into your view again, you shall view her until she disappears out of your view. Boys, boys have tricks. So. They look at you from the front and then they intentionally turn. Because if they come and if, 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 if you come and pass and they now everybody say, hey, why are you turning and looking at the lady? So they look up to a point. Before you reach them, you just turn as if they are looking at something there because they know eventually you will come into their view again. 
But it's like I'm looking at something else. I see. Today I'm choking the boys and revealing their secrets. <laughs> there is always a door of escape. There is always. It's always there. Let's read Jude 4. Jude is only one chapter. So Jude 1 4. See what the Bible says. Still NLT. It's talking about saving people who have creeped into the church. And today, by this word, if they are such people inside the church, they must repent. Hallelujah. He said, I said this because some, some ungodly people, say ungodly people, have wormed their way into your churches. Saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago. For they have denied our only master and our Lord Jesus Christ. So, when you come to church, it's not everybody who is there for the wedding. It's not everybody who is there to praise and worship and pray. People come with all sorts of agenda. You don't say, hey, can you this church then, then get fine chicks so. yeah. And they should receive the fine chicks. No, no, they don't need to receive. They are already fine chicks. They, they don't need to receive. <laughs> People come with all sorts of agenda. With all sorts of satanic arguments. In the name of grace. Say grace. And the grace was bread, pa, 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 pa. People have used their name to do bad things. In the name of grace. And they are using it as a license, luring people into immoral acts. You see, the Bible has a clearly spelled out procedure for dealing with such people in the church. People who are just corrupting people and spoiling people and breaking people's hearts after sleeping with them. The Bible has a clear way of disciplining some people. First, you start by speaking to them one on one. If they don't repent, you drag them to the leadership of the church. To the church leaders who have a meeting. So, so that we can drag you to the meeting. Almost 30 people. And we advise you because. One person advised you one on one, you didn't repent. If you don't repent, the last result, let me show you 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5. Last result. Last result. I mean, some of these things it may seem harsh, but they're in the Bible. He said, Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan. So that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day that the Lord returns. That was Paul's diamond. This one was a man who was engaging in sexual immorality, I think, with his mother also. And they had warned him, talked to him in private, everything. He said, Deliver such a one unto Satan. When they said deliver him unto Satan, it means one, you are being sacked from the church. At first I was like, ah, isn't the church a place to reform people? But they've tried everything to reform you and you are not reforming. So to prevent the danger of that one bad apple spoiling the rest, because these things are contagious. When I was young in Christ, I heard of a man of God I respected who sacked a certain man from his church. But now that I've grown, I understand. 
The man had a lot of money. He was paying big time. And he was sleeping with all the young girls in the church. And they spoke to him in church. Spoke to him in church. You know, a pastor is preaching to these young girls so that they will work for Christ, they will live for Christ, grooming them for ministry, and you are destroying and negating all the works that God is doing in their lives. Pastor said, you can take your big tie away. You have proved that my preaching doesn't do anything to you. What is the point in remaining here? There are a lot of churches. Go. And he was preaching about this and he said, any pastor who doesn't have the guts to do such a thing, the next person you come for is your wife. Using his money, the young people. So this man they talk to him so many times, he wasn't minding. This was the verdict of talk. Deliver him to Satan. Deliver him to Satan means we've thrown you out of the church. We've done everything you can. In silence, in front of elders, Bibia, you are not minding. Then go, because what else can we do to change you? And delivering him into the hands of Satan also means stop praying for him. And you decide that you will change. What else can we do? Unrepentant. As for you, you will continue in your place of immorality. So deliver him unto Satan. So some people have creeped in amongst you. Doing all kinds of things, saying all sorts of things. And luring people. We have not noticed such a person in the church, but if you are planning to come, thunder will fire you in before you come. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, sometimes, this one, let me let me speak to the young ladies. Can, can I speak to the young ladies? Can I speak to you now? When your church leaders or your leaders in church try to interfere in your relationship don't get angry it's part of our responsibility but don't don't say the pastor is being too nosy me most of you the the young ladies when, when you get close and we are talking, one of the questions are, are you in a relationship this that 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 and i'll question all those things to find out because it's one of the areas in which satan is trapping a lot of the christians your shepherds, we have the right to know who the flock are interacting with. Also, no, it's my private life. It's not your private life. I have the right to warn you that this one, I don't think is good for you. I mean, I can't force you, but at least I have the right to say it. It's up to you to take it off. And when a pastor tells you something like that, you should think about it twice. Because me, if I come and tell you something like that, it's not because I'm jealous. I don't want you. You understand? I have my wife. I don't, I don't want you. The only relationship I can have with you is a father-daughter relationship. You understand? I want to so I, I want to stall that one so that no 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 I'm not interested in that. Men of God don't do that. Anybody who does that is not a man of God. I'm not a man of God. So if 
if somebody who doesn't have any interest in the thing is telling you, look at the thing twice. Look at it twice. He can see that you are sheep and this person is a liar who is coming to take a lamb away. You see, the pastor as a shepherd, there's a time the shepherd is very loving and caring and everything. But when a lion appears, the rod must come out, the staff must come out, and the shepherd must defend the sheep. David said, I was with my father's sheep, and a lion came. He chased the lion, tore it into pieces, and rescued the lamb. Every extent that will go to rescue you from the mouth of lions will go. Hallelujah. Yes. It is part of our responsibility. Well, you can see that after this gentleman came to your life, now church is once a month. Once every quarter. And there's always an excuse. One excuse for the other. Sunday morning, you call him, I'm going to church. No, 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 come and visit me. Church is pulling. Boy is pulling. Church is pulling. Boy is pulling. And eventually, you move to the other side. Instead of coming to church to be taught to do greater works, you go there and go and do lesser works. You know what the lesser works are. So when we start seeing such things, we have every right to come tell you that look, this thing is not good for you. It's not good for you. So all these people they are just looking for the opportunity to sleep with you. One, two, three, and they just leave you like that, and your heart is broken. And now you have to come back for us to nurse your wound. We would rather kill it early. So that the wound doesn't come for us to mess. Because when you come with the wound, so we can't throw it, we can't deliver you to Satan. After that, we can't deliver you to Satan. We need to help you to recover. And it's extra work. So we will prevent the lion from sinking his teeth into your arm to cause that wound, wound to come. Because if it comes, we will have to mess that wound for him. Hallelujah. Before I end, I will show you five or six inappropriate relationships. Less than five or six inappropriate relationships. Let's read First Corinthians chapter six, verse eighteen. First Corinthians six eighteen. First Corinthians six eighteen. Let's read it together. Go. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Hallelujah. It's a sin against your own body. That's why HIV can come out of it. That's why syphilis can come out of it. That's why gonorrhea can come out of it. I watched a video recently. Some herbalist was talking I think it was my status. Hey! Is it the gonorrhea? No? So we said that you are not better than me to say Gonorrhea becoming syphilis. When you don't look at that way, you don't treat it well. Several convention, eh? <laughs> it is a sin against your own body. Your own body. I've shown you how pornography harms your body. You are the same as a drug addict though. Sorry to say that. It's the, it's the same as the one who is addicted to cocaine. 
Because at the end of the day, when you break everything down, you are addicted to chemicals. That's what it comes down to. You are addicted to a chemical. That chemical that is released to make you feel good when you are watching it. The one who drinks alcohol, it is a chemical that makes him feel the way he feels. The one who sniffs cocaine, it is a chemical that makes him feel the way he feels. You are in the same category. It's an addiction to chemicals. And you are harming your own body. There's nothing wrong with masturbation. It results in erectile dysfunction. It results in erectile dysfunction. You practice, ah, you get married, and now you can't perform. And you have become so used to pleasuring yourself that nobody else can pleasure you. Because of course, you will know your body better than anybody else. Nobody can know your body better than you. So everybody else is just like, I mean, this is, you marry and it's like, uh, I don't obey me. I want to there was some guy, notorious. You beat him, then, then the teacher will use the biggest cane. When you beat him, he comes in and says, oh, this is a mosquito bite. Mosquito bite. So you practice this thing now, when you get married, whatever the person will do is, is mosquito bite. It's like nothing. The person has done anything. There are physical consequences to your body. Some even have postulated that those who do this in a lot are at a greater risk of prostate cancer later. You are teaching your prostate gland to over-secrete. And when you are giving it more work, it has to have more cells to do the work, and some of them can go get haywire. So you can have prostate problems later in life. So it's a sin against your body. It's a sin against. It's not just against God. It's against your own body. And he said, "Run from sexual sin. Run." Everybody say, "Run." It means this one. We are not designed to stand and fight it. Run away. Simple. That's the way you win. That's on battles when you run away, you've lost. But this one, when you run, you've won. Run away. You are in a relationship, the thing has become bloody. You are trying, it's not working. Run away. Run away. Let's go back to the Duke 4. Let, let's continue reading. Say some very interesting things. We think God has stopped judging us because of grace. The next verse. The five. It says, so I want to remind you, though you already know these things. So I'm reminding you, everything I'm saying today, you know already. I'm just using the anointing to push it further into your spirit. So I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt. But later he destroyed those. He's trying to remind them of the fact that God can judge you. After he had told them about the people who have snaked in and doing immoral things in the church. But later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. Next. You give another example. And I remind you 
of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. Next. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and served as a warning of this eternal, of the eternal fire of God's judgment. So this is New Testament, but he's reminding the people that God is still a God who judges. And let me tell you something. God's judgment is not only limited to the afterlife. There is judgment here on it. It's called chastisement. Everybody is chastisement. There is a judgment. God will judge us as his sons and will judge us as his servants. The one after you have died is a judgment as a servant. But here on earth, he judges us as sons. It's because he loves us. The Bible says, he whom God loves, he chastises. So there are punishments God will give you for doing certain things. One of the punishments is exposure. You'll be exposed. God will give you a long rope, and you're abusing the rope. And the rope is becoming shorter, shorter, shorter. In local parlance, you say your cup is full. When you walk around and you look sanctimonious, everybody believes you are correct. But deep down, secretly, there are issues that you are not dealing with. If you kept your time, God is okay. Because as for Luke 8:17, Luke 8:17 is the most fearful scripture in the Bible. Everything that is done under the sun will be revealed. One day. It will be revealed. It will either some pregnancy will come. And you are torn between adding the sin of murder to abortion or just accepting it and repenting and God restoring you. But everything that is sitting under the sun will be revealed one day. It hasn't been revealed because God has given you a rope. And the more you abuse the rope, the shorter the rope becomes. But one day, he said, for all that the secret will eventually be brought into the open. And everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. This one was Jesus who said it. If you have a written Bible, it's in red. When you see the things in red, take them seriously because it's Jesus. The one who is going to judge us himself is the one speaking them. He said everything. And the Bible says, God has elevated his word about his own name. He himself is under the word. So when he has said that it will be revealed, it will be revealed. You better stop now. Is one of the judgments God will give that you will be exposed and disgraced. Some of you, because of where Satan has seen that you are going, Satan knew where Jesus was going. In the the people who saw Jesus' star, they weren't Christians, they were occultists. The wise men, they were astrologers, they were occultists. Astrology is, is occultic. They saw Jesus' star, they have ways of spotting greatness. In the realm of the spirit. So maybe you too, your star has been noticed. They said, We saw his star. Yeah, I can't explain that. What everybody has, they, they saw something that showed him that this guy is great. Or he's going to be great. So Satan is preparing a dossier on you, accumulating evidence. 
the day you mount that political position and everybody knows you can't you see how funny or interesting things about people's past comes out when it's election time and us before donald trump came some audio of him talking nastily about a certain woman and what you do to the woman in some way somehow and this has been done more than a decade before it found its way that's it but everything will be, will be revealed stop giving satan ammunition in his dossier against you you disarm him by stopping now stop it now because at the wrong time when it is revealed it will be a big embarrassment for you very few people are able to recover after such embarrassment there are some hard-hearted people who are still able to recover That's some people they are hard though. I mean, even if it was the wrong thing that they did, there are some people, somebody like Bobini, they talked about him, man. The guy is still doing what he's doing. Like, right now it's like, we've accepted, okay, all right, it's, it's fine. <laughs> people have talked down for years. Every time it's on the news, Bobini, this, 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 the guy is still doing what he's doing. He's still doing what he's doing. Recently, he sacked all his pastors. Because one of them went to betray one papa's pastor went to say some things me and says that he has sacked all of But he how can he alone do all the way? All these many people. Okay, he's an angel, so <laughs> he has supernatural powers. <laughs> but one of the ways God judges us is to is to expose us. Is to expose us. So there's judgment that we receive here on earth. As son. There are some things you do that can block your blessings. Hallelujah. They block your blessings. I've said before that there are some people, eh, the angels God has given to guide them, eh, they've written an, an application letter to God that, God, please change me. Because you are making them see things they are not supposed to see. They are corrupting their angelic souls. They are corrupting them. So they've written to God, I beg, change me every time I have to close my eyes. When he said go and guard him in his room, he's going to sleep. He's not sleeping. <laughs> he's very wide awake. Watching all kinds of things. And doing all kinds of things. So they've written a petition to God. Change me. Maybe they've even spotted somebody else. God, take me to this one. Will you be one of those people? take me to Pastor Bella, take me to Pastor Alpha. And God is happy. There's some people. No angel wants to come around you. So when the enemy is even coming to attack, by that time they turn their face Enemy has recourse to come and attack you. Because you are corrupting their soul with the things that you are doing. May the Lord give us strength to repent. Let me quickly give you some inappropriate relationships. And then I'll close the service. Inappropriate relationships you must guard against in the church. First and foremost, a relationship between a believer and an unbeliever. It can't work. 
The Bible has stated clearly, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. It's been stated clearly. Unbeliever also means somebody who goes to church but is not born again. A church goer. He just says he's a Christian because his parents were Christians. Or his parents are Christian, but he himself is not a Christian. That person doesn't qualify. I'm talking about a born again believer. Somebody who has given his life to Christ. You are disobeying God if you go and say yes to such a person. Somebody who is not born again. Because if you say yes to an unbeliever, I said you, the girls, suddenly Satan becomes your father-in-law. Your asshole is Satan. Because when we are children of God, those who are not, they are children of Satan. A believer is not allowed to marry somebody of another religion. We love them. But it's agape love. Hallelujah. You see, even for simple practical reasons, it will not work because if there is trouble somewhere and you need counsel, are you going for counsel from the biblical end or from the Quranic end of things? Are you going to an imam or you are going to a pastor? Or we have a, a, a conference of pastors and imams? It won't work. Hallelujah. No work. So the first one we must guard against a relationship, first inappropriate relationship, a relationship between a believer and only. When it comes to morality, even two believers are struggling. Two believers who all believe that fornication is wrong. Two believers who all believe that you must flee immorality and sexual sin. They believe, but they are struggling. How much more one who doesn't even believe this thing? Yeah, oh, this is your Bible, Bible, this old-fashioned. This Bible that was written so many centuries ago, things have changed. What are you talking about? You are too dumb. And they threaten you with the fact that if you don't allow them to sleep with you, they will leave you. One lady came to see me like that, Christian. I said, is he a believer? I said, oh, hmm. And he doesn't go to church, he likes going to the club, and this is, this is I told that plainly. This is a straight decision of either rejecting God or accepting Satan. You know very well that if you say yes to him, the things he's doing, you also start doing. You say yes, I know. Because already when you even started going out with him, you're doing certain interesting things. How much more now when there is commitment? I thought it's a straight fight. It's a straight decision. If you say yes to me, you are rejecting God. Thank God she saw wisdom and chose right. But at that time, her heart had gone in. And part of her body too had gone in. Part. You are laughing, laugh. Why are you being here? I say. Thank God she saw wisdom. Being not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. The second relationship is a relationship between two people of the same sex. That one, it should be even named amongst you. Somebody asked me recently, so if somebody joins this church and the person is gay, 
What are you going to do as a head pastor? First of all, I'm making him understand that it's abnormal. That he has a problem. You see, that's the beginning. If the person can't accept that it's a problem, then we have a problem. And let me tell you, these things, eh, they are contagious. You walk with the person, this is a transference of spirit. The time you realize those things that he's doing, you too, you are doing them. You come here with some tights, but your leggings stretched, boy, wearing pink leggings. With lipstick. Not in this church. The boy asks you what your name is. He says, I'm Sheila. Who accepts that? So, a relationship between two people of the same sex is inappropriate. Three. Now, I'm coming to the more common ones. The more common ones. You see, there is a certain relationship that a male can have with a female and the relationship is not defined. You understand what I'm talking about? It's not defined. You can't tell whether in fact, even they themselves they can't tell whether they are going out or they are not going out. If you are friends with somebody of the opposite I'm not saying you can't have friends of the opposite sex but at every point in time the status of the relationship must be clear to both of you you understand because if you don't do that eventually if you don't take time one person will get hurt and most of the time it's the female and that kind of relationship too can bring all sorts of problems maybe you can even be together as husband and wife later but when you are in that limbo where the relationship is not defined, eh, the problem is that you may end up fighting a lot simply because you are not too sure what you are entitled to. You are not too sure what you can complain about. If the person doesn't call you for two days, do you have the right to complain? The person is not your beloved. The person hasn't said anything to you. Do you have the right? But you are hurting inside. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So at any point in time, the nature of the relationship must be clear. It's not bad to have a female friend, but it must be clear to the two of you. We are going out, we are not going out. If you, the male, you don't have any intentions of taking it further, you make it known so that she doesn't invest too much emotions in you. And because you've not said anything later, you come and say, hey, Charlie, I found some girl who you expect her to be happy and rejoice, oh brother, I'm happy for you, God bless you. I shall come and sit at your gift table at your wedding. It will not happen. She will be hurt, she will be heartbroken. And the same thing can happen in the opposite direction. One person is thinking, look, this thing we are working towards something. Meanwhile, the other person is thinking far away. It can great trouble. Even though you don't intend to create trouble, you end up creating trouble. And sometimes that brings me to the next kind of inappropriate relationship. You see, you can have that kind of relationship that is clean and everything is fine and all of that. But you can also move to the realm of being friends with benefits. And, and the truth is that now we have a lot of such happening. They're not going out though. 
but they are benefiting in all sorts of strange ways from each other physically sometimes they start to know we are studying image we study we study we study and then we realize we are studying surface anatomy looking for landmarks where is T4? Those who know that dermatome know what I'm talking about. They're looking for T4. Huh? Friends with benefit is an inappropriate relationship. Christians are not supposed to have those kinds of relationships. Hallelujah. Amen. If you are studying, they study. If your Bible study makes you study Bible. Yes. Don't veer into all sorts of strange things and clothe yourselves with immorality and give the devil room to come and operate in your life. Friends with benefits. The next one is an inappropriately close relationship between a church member that is single and one that is married inappropriately close you can't be too close to somebody's husband you can't be too close to somebody's wife it's not right so he tells you oh it's like you dear i can talk to you i feel very comfortable around you this is not that, I, I just, it's like I, I can't discuss things with my wife, but even when I speak to you, I feel very, very comfortable. And then you are flattered. You are happy. You can't be too close to somebody's husband. You can't be too close to somebody's wife. It's wrong. spends more time with you on the phone three hours four hours that is mentoring <laughs> spirit of mentorship <laughs> and you are taking all the time you're supposed to be having with his wife and children all of it for you. It is inappropriate. And that brings me to the next one, which is even more inappropriate. When it becomes a sexual relationship. Because you can be like that and it's not sexual. You see, infidelity is not just physical infidelity. You can have emotional infidelity. You can cheat on your partner emotionally. When you are looking for emotional fulfillment elsewhere, it's not different from looking for physical fulfillment elsewhere. Hallelujah. And Christians can find themselves in this trap. But you see, they remain in it because they rationalize the fact that they are not sleeping with the person. They are not sleeping with the person. But if you are honest with yourself, you realize that your heart has ended. You have fallen flat on your face for the person. When now it becomes body matters. Look, young ladies, don't 
expose yourself to Satan like that. When, when you are in an inappropriate relationship with somebody's husband, eh, you are like a, a, a city that is without walls. Because if that woman goes on her knees and speaks certain things in the spirit, trust me, you see, spiritual principles are such that if there is a basis for a case, it will work. And if God says, what he has put together, let no man put asunder. What can you do? And you are trying to put somebody asunder. Some two people asunder. By taking all the time of the spouse. He closes work and comes to stay at your place till 12 midnight. You know, his wife is a two. Every tear that comes out of her eyes as a result of that, God is seeing and recording. The day she opens her mouth and releases a curse, demons will take those curses and work on it and make sure it happens. There are people struggling with barrenness and all sorts of things because of things people have said. Yeah, no, such a case. Somebody was in a inappropriate, that one was even not, was not sexual. All the time, and she admitted that look, her heart has gone into the thing. It was emotional infidelity. You know, the wife was at home crying all the time. The man would close and go and stay at their place from three to like twelve midnight. The food that the wife has cooked will stay till the next morning because we've already fed him. Somebody's husband. This lady later got married and children. Nothing was done. Some of us have to intervene and go and speak to the other person and plead with her. Whatever words you said, revoke. Until one day she called and said, I've let the matter go. A month or so later, this lady conceived. I'm telling you, these things, don't joke, don't joke with them. Don't go tampering with two people that God has put together at all. Whether emotionally or physically, don't go there. Don't go there. It's because you are not married. But when the Bible says the two become one flesh, it's literal. When you marry, you understand. It's, it's literal. When the other person is not happy, you can't be happy. It's not possible. You, you cannot be happy. Unless, unless you, even if you don't know the person is unhappy, there is something big that gets it. Stephen is laughing. He understands what I'm talking about. He is in the When they say the two shall be one, it is literal. I'm telling you. And for God to put two people together and you, you decide that I am separate. It's like plantain and cassava. You pounded it together into fufu. It's supposed to be inseparable. And you, you want to separate the plantain from the cassava. That is what you are trying to do. That, that is the foolishness of what you are trying to do. They've been pounded together chemically combined. And you want to take the plantain out and go and eat it. And leave the cassava. What God has put together, let no man, let no woman, let no devil. Put us under. If the person is taking, he's taking. Stop being a pecker. You don't look like a second wife, so don't behave like one. You are somebody's number one. Look for your number one and keep the number one. 
that you expose yourself to a curse that affects your entire family. Biblically, yes. When you try to separate two married people or a married couple, the curse is not on only your family. Two examples in the Bible. Abraham went to his wife to a place. The king saw the wife because she was beautiful. He wanted to take the wife and sleep with her. Even now, he didn't even sleep with her. The Bible said, a curse of barrenness came upon his household. And Abraham had to pray for their wounds to be opened. David saw Bathsheba, somebody's wife, went to take her, slept with her. And the prophet gave him, he said, what? The sword shall not depart from your house. It's a family curse. After that confusion in his family, his sons, some of them tried to overthrow him. After we tried to overthrow him, one, uh, what do you call it? Children were fighting amongst each other. One son uh, raped a daughter. It's like their home became a home of turmoil. All because he went and took somebody's wife. So that curse, it comes with, it's not just you. It affects your entire home. If because of some few coins, you are going to get because of the difficulties you are having. And you see, people enter into this kind of emotional relationship. He may not be sleeping with you, but the relationship is just inappropriate and you are maintaining it simply because of the benefits. You are getting. I always say, look, young ladies, if it is school fees, instead of going to sleep with somebody's husband, you come and tell us. We will put ourselves together and take you to school. I said, well, what is church for? It's supposed to be a family. You are supposed to take care of each other's needs. Instead of going to contaminate yourself by having an inappropriate relationship with somebody's husband. And to bring a curse onto yourself. May the Lord give us the grace to walk in morality. Whatever areas of morality you are struggling, whether it's in thoughts, whether it's in dressing, whether it's in deed, today may the Lord release supernatural power for you to overcome it. And may, your, may, may the Lord sharpen your eyes to see the doors of escape. Some of you have decided that you are blind to the doors of escape, but today the Lord is opening your eyes. You will see the doors of escape and you will be energized to walk through those doors of escape. Some of you, the door of escape is a breakup. It's a breakup. You just need to break up. When you want to walk in holiness, it's like a revolution. Uncompromising. In revolutions, there's no mercy. When Rollins came, all the corrupt people, they lined them up, killed them. The Greek word for holiness is hagiasmos. Today I call for a hagiasmos revolution in the church. Whatever needs to be kicked out must be kicked out. Whatever needs to be deleted must be deleted. Whatever phone numbers must be deleted must be deleted. Because we are on a hagiasmos revolution. We are clearing everything that will prevent us from reaching where God wants us to reach. Unholy alliances and unholy relationships must be broken. Once and for all. And I pray that God releases that grace upon all of us. Shall we stand to our feet? I want to pray. But I want you to pray like you've never prayed before. You see, some of you, I know there's a lot of greatness in this building today. And Satan wants to truncate some greatness. But the Bible has said, Luke 8, 17, whatever is hidden shall be revealed. But today, you want to abort every plan of the enemy to disgrace you, to bring temptation your way. 
to cause you to fall, to spoil your name, to corrupt your name so that the name of God will be brought to disrepute. Today, you want to lift up your voice. Place every weakness of yours before God. You want to say, The Lord, I need strength. I need the ability to overcome. Lift up your voice. We need to pray in the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice. We need to pray. Come on, let me hear you. Come on, let me hear you. Let me hear you. Let me hear you. Let me hear you. Don't ask God to purify your mind. Purify your heart. You want to pray for the refinest fire to come upon you today. In the name of Jesus we trust you have been blessed by this message for information on how you can receive more teachings from the man of god reach us on 024-873-7250 stay blessed